scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is Dead, Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, cults, conspiracies, all sorts of just like paranormal, supernatural, weird, spooky, eerie things, whatever it is we want to talk about that week. Why is it, Sarah, that we do that? Um, I think it's because it's our show and uh, listeners, it's not yours. Oh, beer, 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 beer. Oh, funny oh, enough, oh, if you did not know. Uh, welcome to the show. If it's your first episode, turn it off right now and start from episode one. Grumblethorpe in my mouth a little bit. Thank you so much. I love that that's, that's become our new spiel. It's our show, not <laughs> yours. If you're new, turn this off and go back to the beginning. I'm trying. I love I'm it. trying to keep to it for you because I know that's important to you. I do like it short and sweet. Well, I meant the them starting from the beginning. Oh. <laughs> I was about to be like, I like it like I like my men short and sweet. <laughs> Is that how you like them? <laughs> I don't know. Definitely sweet. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'm trying to refine and nail down the little intro-y bit. I love it. Maybe by episode 150, we'll have it Go set. fuck yourself. <laughs> I meant it for both of us. Why the don't show you do an intro, evolving. Sarah? You want me to do the intro? Okay. Almost three years ago, Stephanie and I got together on the floor in front of my bed. A Burger King in front of Philadelphia. (laughs) In front of all of Philadelphia. And we decided to talk about some ghosts. That one over at like Market and 8th. You guys know the one. (laughs) (laughs) That Burger King. That one. The one near uh, the Galleria or whatever it is. The Galleria. That's just been revamped into the, the, it's the The fashion fashion district district. now. That's what they're calling it. Yeah. Philadelphia ain't got no fashions. Get the fuck out of here, Philly. No, get out of here. We love you. We love Philly. What a place. You wanted to talk about your nails. I did want to talk about my nails because I did it. I bought a gel manicure kit. And it has Did you now? changed my life. Yeah? I mean, for right now, anyways, I bought it and I did my nails two days ago, but I am in love. I'm going to, like, show it up to the camera, but it looks like I went to the salon. The salon. The like, salon. Like, they're perfect. They're gel. They're, like, hard. These are definitely going to last for a few weeks. This kit cost me $40 on Amazon, and it came <laughs> with everything I needed Plus six nail colors and little like metallic-y little gem things that I can put on my nails with the tweezers that you need to pick them up and put them on. It has Mm -hmm. everything that you need for an at-home gel manicure. It's changed my life. I don't know why why I didn't do it sooner. I'm in love. Like, I don't think I'm going back. And my clutch nails did last two weeks. I just took my clutch nails off like a few days ago and those suckers did not pop off and they did last two weeks. I think they lasted a little more than two weeks. So if you do want some nice, easy glue on nails, clutch nails are really clutch. They last. Mind you, we don't have any sponsors. We would love some. We would. Uh, We just talk about shit that we love. Clutch nails. That we spend our money on. It's pretty clutch. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I do, um, I've now joined the Maniology, Maniacs Me, like, monthly club. Ooh. Um, so that, Maniology that's the is stamper. little stampies yeah. that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, like, for December, it was this really cute, like, um, 
astrological sign set. Uh, this month oh, it's like that. this weird angel, devil, I don't know, it looks cool as shit situation. And a friend of mine had um, stocked up on a bunch of that jail, uh, like home gel manicure shit. And she's like uh, decluttering. And she messaged me the other day to ask me if I want all her gel manicure shit. You do. And I said, yes. You do. You want it. Because so I'm going to get some for free. I honestly, 40 bucks is less than what I would spend to go to the salon and get this done. So I yeah. am like not mad about it. But I finally bit the bullet because I went over to Mary Angela's right as she was finishing up doing hers. And I was like, all right. How much did you pay for this? Where did you get it? She's like, Amazon, 40 bucks. I don't think I got the exact same one, but revolutionary, y'all. If you do your nails, you go pay for a gel manicure. You can do this shit at home. It was so easy. Yes, Changed my life. Changed my life. I've never really been into the gels, though, but we'll see what happens if I get them for free. I'm a fan because I like to grow my real nails out. Because then they can get long and I feel like I can still use them as opposed to having acrylics and them being long and being like, they still feel like they're not my body. Yeah, I have the opposite experience. For me, gels tend to peel um, because my nails peel. Mm -hmm. So like the layers tend to just peel off like they would anyway. Yeah. Um, But acrylics or dip powder is also good for me, which is like the in-between um, I tend to grow my nails out pretty well with those because they give my nails the the strength that they don't have. <laughs> That's it. The strength that they need. I'm just getting that little extra support starting from my nails. Yeah. And then I'll work Girl, my Because I'm not getting there. it from a bra. I ain't been wearing any bras. I've been, you know, fuck bras. I don't even hardly wear them anymore these days. I just let these these titties swing free. Let those titties swing free. Um, Sarah. <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> Mm, Leslie, y'all, y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Are you going first? You said this week. Yes. Or am I? Okay, that's my thought. I'm just confirming. Yeah. You could also like edit this part out. You choose to keep this in here when I ask you. Yeah. And go ahead, Sarah, tell your story. Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. You're supposed to ask me what I'm talking about this week. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Oh my God, go fuck yourself. Y'all remember how nice it was last Always episode? It's gotta we be like, about you. We were like, oh, I love doing this show with you. All gone now. All gone. <laughs> Stephanie, this week I am talking about the Hellfire Caves. In Wincombe, England. Have okay. you ever heard of these? No, I have I say not. these. It's a few caves uh, in a system. You ever heard of these caves? You ever heard of these caves? Let me tell you about these caves. you never seen any caves like these caves. These caves, you know, these are man-made caves. So, like, the earth couldn't even make this happen. Which that is true. So, the Hellfire Caves are in England. They are a network of man-made chalk and flint caverns that extend up to a quarter mile underground. They were created by Sir Francis Dashwood in the 7th... Sorry, what is a chalk and flint cave? So, basically, you you can mine chalk from the ground 
and flint. Okay. And so these caves were opened originally to mine the chalk, and then they were also created into the cave pattern that I'm going to get into for the okay. reasons that I'm going to get into them. Okay, so it's sorry. Go ahead. Let me uh, let me let you get to that. No, you're good. I mean, it's believed that the chalk mines, to a degree, have been underground in Wincombe for a while, and then when it was commissioned to dig into the mines and create the caves, is when that all happened. So it was kind of used for a dual purpose. So the caves were created by Sir Francis Dashwood. Uh, They were done being excavated by 1752, and then they were used as a meeting place for his club known as the Hellfire Club. Uh Uh-oh, there it is. So we'll get into the club in a minute, but since you had asked about the chalk and flint part, so the caves were built between 1748 and 1752 as a way to help combat the poverty that was happening in the neighborhood in the area. So there had been a succession of droughts and failed harvests, so the local farmers were suffering. And so Dashwood, Sir Francis Dashwood, uh, commissioned a project to supply chalk for a straight three-mile road uh, from their town to the next town. So then he had all of them come in. So then the local farmers came in. They were employed to go down, dig these caves, mine out the chalk, and then also dig these caves for Sir Dashwood to use for his club. They got a job. They got paid. It helped them keep themselves afloat until they could get their crops settled back. Considering, though, that the caves were all dug by hand, they are regarded as an incredible feat of engineering because it is kind of crazy when you look at it. um, Like if you watch videos, that was people were just like down there digging and they created it. And that was it. So what year was this? 1748. And they finished in 1752. Wow. So it only took them four years. Yes. It's not large. So it goes um, a quarter of a mile in, and then at the deepest point, it's 300 feet underground. It's also noted that um, the caves go in underneath a church was built on top of them. So remember that when I get into the uh, Hellfire Club, that these caverns are underneath a church and a mausoleum. So... Back to the Hellfire Club, because that's honestly what this is really about, right? So the club was for distinguished gentlemen to engage in immoral acts considered unacceptable by society. So it was a whole bunch of dudes getting together to do all the shit that they couldn't really do out in the open, but they could all do it behind closed doors. So they were basically partying. It was comprised of a lot of politicians and then the higher upper class of the society. Members included people like William Hogarth, who was an English painter, printmaker, and editorial cartoonist. John Wilkes, who was a British politician and distant relative of John Wilkes Booth. And the namesake... (laughs) Yeah, it's like, um, as in Booth? Yeah, but like his... Great, 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 great grandfather. Uh, and, and not just that, but like enough that the family like kept that name in. Yeah. Like, they're like, yeah, keep naming people after that great man in our family that Paul, who yeah. assassinated Lincoln. Oh, that. Well, 
No, so John Wilkes, John Wilkes Booth is a descendant of this John Wilkes. Of John Wilkes. Okay, yes. gotcha. And this John Wilkes, that namesake is also for the Wilkesbury, PA area, is a descendant okay. of Wilkes. <laughs> fun. Yeah, I thought that was a little fun fact. Pennsylvania. Uh, and then John Montague who is known, more known as the fourth Earl of Sandwich. And yes, he's the dude who like created the sandwich because he's the one who first he would ask for pieces of uh, meat between dad, right? Bread. (laughs) Um, You know, I think so, but I think that he doesn't like to talk about it. Mm -hmm. He was like, I don't want to talk about that. Bring me a sandwich. He was like, fetch me my longsword, ho, and a sandwich. And a sandwich. Thank you. <laughs> Get sandwich first, longsword second. Thank you very much. I'm going to double fist. I'm going to longsword in the right hand, sandwich. Sammy in the left. Well, I need the longsword because that sandwich better be big enough that I need to cut it in half with the longsword. Then we're going to get to But also, like, I'm going to need to fight and I'm going to need the energy from that sandwich. And I'm going to need the crust cut off, please. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but you do that with the knife. Don't make me do don't that. Don't make with me the do sword. that with the sword. <laughs> but yes, this John Montague is the one who we accredit the invention of the sandwich to. The sandwich. So he was in this club. What a wild group of guys. Oh yeah. The wild group of guys having themselves a wild and crazy time. You might call them some wild and crazy guys. Is that what they call themselves? No. They <laughs> Called themselves the Hellfire Club. No, they actually didn't. They had other names. Hold on, I'll get into it. We are to the Hellfire Club. Hellfire Club. They did walk like that, though. People said it was from some sort of tremors. The silly walks. No, 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 no. That was a different club. God. Okay, I can't keep them straight anymore. I know. There's so many. So the layout of the caverns. um, There are a number of caverns in the cave system. So you start at the entrance hall, and the entrance hall leads to what's known as the Steward's Chamber and Whitehead's Cave. This is named for Paul Whitehead, who was the club's secretary. We'll talk more about Mr. Paul Whitehead a little bit later. Momentarily. The next area you get into, so you're following a passageway, and then it branches out sort of into these little caves, and then different gotcha. areas. But it's not like a weird winding cavern. It's not like it you're going to get lost. It is a winding cavern. It's not that. But it's they play like that, that song though. on loop. It's weird. I don't know. So you keep going. You pass Lord Whitehead's cave. Then you get into, or not Lord Whitehead's. You pass Whitehead's cave. The next up is Lord Sandwich's circle. Named for Montague. And then you hit Franklin's cave. Yes, named for Ben Franklin himself. So Ben Franklin was not believed to have been a member, but he was a good friend. Of... He was like, it was like an honorable mention situation. It was like a, we really respect you. And he was really close friends with Dashwood. And he right, like came you have an honorary doctorate. That's you didn't exactly actually it. get a doctorate here, but like. We're going to give you an honorary one because we're BFFs. And it's so you get a cave, the Ben Franklin cave. You get a cave, and you get a cave. You get a cave, and you get a cave. And so he has a cave, and then you reach the banquet hall, which is quite big. 
and then a few more caves, and the path ultimately leads to an underground river, which they called the Styx, like the river Styx. And once you cross over that river, you reach the final cave called the Inner Temple. That cave sits at the lowest depth of all the caverns, and that's at 300 feet underground, and it's directly underneath the church. This is where the Hellfire Club meetings were held. So the Hellfire Club, it was originally called the Brotherhood of St. Francis of Wycombe, then the Order of the Knights of West Wycombe, and then the Order of the Friars of St. Francis of West Wycombe. Then I guess they decided all of that was Wycombe much of a mouthful and decided to name it the Hellfire Club. Why can't we keep calling it that? Why can't we keep calling Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That might be the title of the episode. That's what we're naming the baby. <laughs> Much of the group's specific activities are unknown because Mr. Paul Whitehead, the secretary, burned the club's records before he died. Here's what we know. <laughs> like and- you do. Yeah. Here's what we know and speculate to have happened. Now, one thing we know for sure is that the club's motto was, and forgive me because my French is not good, Fais quoi tu voudras, which basically translates to do what thou wilt or do what you want. Do what you want. Do what you want. Do whatever you want. We're going to make a club. We're all going to convene underground and let's make our motto. I don't know. Do what do you what want. You want. <laughs> I kind of love that. I'm down with the cult so far. Honestly, all of this, I'm kind of down with the cult. So they were super pagan. It was said that they would mock sacrilegious rituals. So they would hold like mocking religious rituals. They had wild drinking and banqueting. So they had parties and they drank a lot of booze. They had lots of orgies. Tons of orgies. So the club itself was comprised of men. They called each other brothers. And then, like, the leader, Dashwood, was called the abbot. And then they would... Now, were they just having orgies with each other? No. Or were they bringing it... (laughs) That would be hilarious. But no. I was like, wait a minute. They would bring in women. They'd bring in prostitutes. But they would refer to the prostitutes as nuns. And the prostitutes always had to wear, like, a mask. So these prostitutes came in and, like... I hope they paid extra for that. I'm sure they they did. And they tipped well. I'm sure they did. I I hope that that's, like, an event, like, the local brothel, like, looked forward to that. They're like, oh, you know. So just so you know, there is another uh, Hellfire side group chat coming up. And we uh, we are getting hired again. So if you were if you didn't work this event last time, these guys are a hoot and a half. This uh, is a they riot. They make you wear a mask. It's a but they are riot. It is such a good time, and they always tip really well. And they provide all the booze and food. It's right. a great That's what time. I like to think the conversation was like they're going to refer to you as nuns. It's like their thing. Just it's like a go weird thing, it. but I'm telling it's a blast. Worth it. Totally worth it. My girl told me last time she was there, Ben Franklin was there. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, these guys are regulars, you know, take care of them. Yeah, twice a month they'll be here. So they, where was I? 
Lots of orgies. <laughs> that's where I was. And their library reportedly had the largest collection of porn in England at that time. Good for them. They were living, like, their craziest, the dream. like, best life. <laughs> they were down there doing, like, weird rituals. They also apparently held black masses, and they did Satan worship and black magic. Yeah, I'm down with the cult so far. And ben- Benny Frankie was there? Benny Frank was there. And, um, but, but they were apparently doing, like, they were sacrificing some animals and they were also doing some, like, dabbling in black magic. So they were fucking around with that. It was basically like they were doing the Ouija board. They were fucking around with that shit. They were fucking around and they were finding out. And they were partying. That was where Ben Franklin got that phrase and brought it back to Philly. He was like, yo, 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 I went down to these caves. They were like, do what you want. And they were like, fuck around and find out. And we did. And we did. Did and it was we fantastic. Out. So it was a fucking party because they could do whatever they wanted. The other thing that I loved that I found out when I was doing research on this, because I originally heard about the Hellfire Caves years and years and years ago when I was watching an episode of Ghost Hunters and they went down and investigated the caves oh, because, you know, they're haunted. And I was just fascinated by the caves themselves and a little bit of the story. And so I decided to research it for today's episode. And as I was researching, I came across the fact that these guys were also total pranksters and they loved to (laughs) prank each other. Fuck yeah, they did. Right? They partied, they had orgies, they ate a lot, and they pranked each other down with the cult so far. I guess we should say down with the club so far. So on one occasion, I've got two different accounts of this story. So one story I heard was that Montague, which is Lord Sandwich, and Dashwood, who dug the caves, went to a nearby church service uh, in a village. And while there, Montague released a small monkey into the crowd, causing a major panic in which people thought that Satan himself had infiltrated and they all fled in fear. To be fair, many of them had no idea what a monkey was they, at that time. They were like, what the actual fuck is They're this? They're like, this is a literal demon on the loose. We gotta go. That's one account. The second account that is probably more likely what happened was that John Wilkes, right? So Wilkes-Barre, John Wilkes Booth is great-great-great-great-grandfather. Yes. Or whatever relative. John Wilkes decided he was going to take this monkey, right? He like, maybe he bought it from Jim Jones. He was going to take this monkey and he was going to dress it up like the devil. And so he dressed this monkey up like the devil and he brought it to one of their meetings. And the story goes that he put this monkey in a chest And rigged it with, like, a spring opening when he pulled a string. And when they were, like, in their meeting and they had been drinking a little bit and things were, like, getting a little more crazy and party-ish, he fucking pulled on that string and that monkey popped out of that chest and that monkey landed right on Montague and scared the shit 
out of him and he thought it was the literal devil coming down to get him and he like fell to his knees and he was like i'm only half a sinner i'm nowhere near as bad as other people or as i could have been i'm not as bad as these other guys here i'm not don't come after me and everyone else was like you fucking idiot that is a monkey and he got really really embarrassed and so Lord Sandwich apparently retaliated on John Wilkes by getting him. He later attacked his position in Parliament. So John Wilkes was a politician in Parliament. And because Montague was so mad, he found something on John Wilkes's like printing press that was able to have him tried for seditious libel. And more drama, and John Wilkes was unseated, Jesus. and it was crazy, but it started over a monkey dressed as the devil in a prank that he played. <laughs> that man, wild! <laughs> it's crazy. There is another prank that happened in the caves. It didn't have anything to do with the Hellfire Club, and it did not end in a whole bunch of laughs and someone crying oh, to a monkey. <laughs> so in the nearby town, there was a barmaid known as Sookie. Which I guess was a nickname for Susan? I don't... Uh, I only know the name Sookie from True, True Blood, Blood, and I've never understood where the fuck that name was supposed to have come from. I guess it's a nickname for Susan. So this woman is known as According Sookie. According to somebody. According to all the reports that I read on the internet, and the internet does not lie. So she said sarcastically for everyone who is listening. So Sookie was a local barmaid who was apparently absolutely beautiful and she was aiming to try to make her way up in the world and so even though she had all of these kids coming to the bar trying to like call on her and date her she ended up trying to win the affections of a local aristocrat and get his attention so she can move up well one day these three village boys decide they're gonna play a prank on her and they send her a note uh, addressed to her from this aristocrat that she has a crush on. And the note's basically saying, like, I want to marry you and run away with you. Oh, God. So meet me so sorry, here Sookie. at the entrance, right? Meet me here at the entrance of the Hellfire Caves, you know, at midnight tonight and wear your best white dress as a wedding gown. We're going to get married. We're going to run away. And she's like, thank you, Lord. My prayers have been answered. And she goes, right. she's like, age gap love. Here I come. She's like, I have been waiting for this. Thank God I already have that white dress. So she goes, she puts on her white dress and she heads down, you know, to the caves and she gets into the entrance and there she's met with these three boys just laughing at her and taunting her and making fun mm. of her. And so her being angry, she was like, fuck you guys and she picks up a handful of gravel and like throws it at them and they're like you stupid idiot i was a nice guy you could have liked me and they pick up rocks and they throw the rocks back at her but the problem is is i guess one of them picked up a really big rock and that rock hit her in the head knocked her unconscious and she later died that poor woman Sookie is one of the two main entities that is said to still be in the Hellfire Caves. Sookie is said to be seen walking down the hallways. People will say that they'll see her from the corner of their eye, just something in white pass by the corridor. 
People have also reported hearing the sound of a rock like hitting the ground, like it's been thrown and now it's like thumping onto the ground. And also yeah. the sound of like a handful of gravel being thrown. Because like the the walkways, the floor is all like dirt and gravel. It's not like finished yeah. stone. So you hear that sound as well. So with that, let's get into the ghosts. So we have Sookie who's there. It's really sad that she's stuck there. That's awful. The other ghost is Paul Whitehead, our good old burn in the document secretary, Paul Whitehead. So Paul Whitehead was a secretary and he had one cave named after him. And when he died, his request was to have his heart placed in an urn and stored in the mausoleum right above. It was then sometimes taken out to show visitors down in the caves until it went missing and is believed to have been stolen by an Australian soldier in 1829. It's said that Paul Whitehead is still seen wandering the caves looking for his missing heart. So people also report seeing a shadow figure of just like something taller, not a woman in a white dress. There's reports of hearing moaning. And people also hear growling that sometimes they attribute to Paul Whitehead looking for his heart that went missing. I also want to know how much extra you had to pay for a tour of the caves that included getting to see his heart. Was it like an yeah. extra $2? Was it like, you know, if you want to stay for the extended portion of the tour, we're going to go get Polly's heart. You can take a look at it. Anyways. So the cave has the ghost stuff such as people hearing groans. Um, a few investigations have caught different EVPs. You hear a lot of the gravel being thrown, etc. I watched the Ghost Adventures episode because the Ghost Hunters episode didn't really catch much of anything and was kind of boring. And Ghost Adventures is always a good time. So in the Ghost Adventures episode, they decide to go down there and they bring, like, a witch or, you know, a seance woman with them. Her name is Lady Snake. They bring her and they decide they want to open a portal to the spirit world with Lady Snake there in the, they're in the banquet hall. And, of course, they're like, hey, we need a subject to sort of be, like, the base point for opening the portal. And it has to be, like, a human or something. So they say, Aaron, you've got to do that because they always make him do that. So he gets down, they light a circle of candles, he takes his shirt off, she like sprinkles him with water or oil or something, and she's wearing this big cloak, and she's wearing one of the masks like they would make the women wear. And she does this ritual thing with him, and he's there in the middle of the circle. And while they're doing that, they claim to catch a few disembodied voices and like one EVP. So the EVP that they catch, they hear something that says hellfire, and then they seem to catch a little bit of like a white mist on the camera uh, in one of the neighboring hallways when they hear the word hellfire. Take that as you will. I was like, hmm, okay. But as Aaron then is done with this ritual, he gets up and Zach's like, cool, since you like helped open this portal and you're all sensitive to this stuff right now, I want you to go alone all the way to the end of the caves to the inner temple oh, wow. no. here's a camera 
here's a recorder. You go down there. You go have fun. You just, you go have a great time, Aaron. You go have fun. And Aaron's like, all right. So Lady Snake gives him her cloak and she's like, this is what the men in the club would have worn. So you wear this, you go down there, you go do that. Now, it's important to note that right now the Hellfire Caves operates as a working museum and part of their exhibits is in each of the caves, they have mannequins set up and posed in different scenes of the Hellfire Club. So in certain caves, there's like people just sitting around a table gambling. And then in the inner temple, that cave at the very end, you've got a whole bunch of these mannequins all surrounding a table, like drinking and partying. And it's fucking creepy as hell. Because as they're panning over this in the dark, you just catch glimpses of these mannequins. So Aaron goes down to that back inner temple and he's sitting in this room by himself with all these mannequins behind him in this cloak. And that by itself just scared me enough. He doesn't really catch much while he's in there. He gets up to like change the tape on the camera and he's like I feel kind of weird I feel really comfortable when I'm in there like I'm in my element but who knows and as he goes to turn around and go back in they catch a voice later on EVP that says and this one's pretty clear and it says I'll get ya and then when he later goes to leave the inner temple he feels someone like pull on his cloak to pull him backward like to keep him in there So he goes back to Aaron and all three of them go back into the temple and Aaron's still there in the cloak. Like he keeps the cloak on for the whole investigation. I don't know. So he's there in the cloak and he's being all weird and like method acty and is like, I totally get it, man. Like I get what they were doing here. Like I understand. Like I feel comfortable. And they're all like, okay, you look weird. You're being weird. Whatever. And then at that point, Nick looks up and is like, whoa, that lantern hanging from the ceiling is moving. And the lantern up there is like swaying back and forth, back and forth. And then at that point, they mention uh, Zach's like, "Okay, if this is you, we're trying to debunk this lantern swinging. So if it's you, you need to show us that it's you and prove that it's you. And then at that point, when they reviewed the footage, they heard a voice that just said, careful. Nope. So they hear more thumps. They hear more rustling throughout the night. Um, And then at one point, they're in the hallway where they normally see Sookie, or they call her the white lady. And Zach's like, I'm going to throw these rocks and see if you throw the rocks back. And he like throws a handful of rocks. And like five seconds later, you do hear a thump like someone dropped a heavy rock. So... Take that as you will on, you know, whether the caves are super haunted or not. I know I don't want to go down there in the dark, but I think that that's mainly because I don't want to be around those fucking mannequins. But the Hellfire Caves are located in Wincombe, England. They are man-made and they were made to house the Hellfire Club which did some pretty crazy and wild and crazy parties and orgies and uh, might have done some black magic. Might have, maybe, probably. Might have, maybe, probably, definitely, 100% did black magic. I believe it. So there you go. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Ear. Ear. 
Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? I am talking about a pretty wild murder. A wild and crazy murder? It's tough. Oh, I was like, that face makes me think that I need to stop making jokes now. Or should I just get them all out of my system now? Get them all out of your system. All right. Hold on. That's my fart noise. Okay. Okay. I think I got it. Oh, I I don't know. I Sorry for everyone if I make inappropriate jokes. No, today I'm going to be talking about the disappearance and ultimately the murder of a girl named Skylar Niece, who was 16 years old, and she was murdered in, I'm making sure I do my math right, which would be 2014? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> 2012. Okay. Sorry. I was like, why don't I have that year right? Anyway, no. So this happened in uh, West Virginia. She, uh, Her name was Skylar, Skylar Annette Niece. She was born to Mary and Dave Niece on February 10th, 1996. So she was born in 1996. She was their only child. Mm-hmm. She was described as intelligent, compassionate, stubborn, and bubbly. And in second grade, she became best friends with a girl named Sheila Eddy. And Sheila was also an only child. So uh, when they first became friends, I think this case fascinated me, by the way, so much because it reminded me of, like, people that I was friends with when I was, like, a teenager. And I was like, wow, uh, teenage girls are fucking awful. Oh, my God. (laughs) Tell me about it. So... So they were best friends for many years, Skylar and Sheila, okay? Skylar and Sheila are doing everything together. Skylar, Sheila, Skylar, Sheila. Then they um, they weren't living in a place where they were going to the same school until high school. So once they got into ninth grade, they were moved and redistricted in an area that they were now going to the same school. Mm-hmm. So Skylar and Sheila are finally, like, in school together as freshmen. So then Sheila's mom got remarried. And when Sheila's mom got remarried, she married a guy who was uh, a little more well-off. So Skylar was starting to, like, get more stuff, basically. Like, have more, like, brand name stuff and be more popular because she had, like, cooler things. And she befriended a new girl who joined their group named Rachel. So Sheila was kind of, like, the... I don't want to say the leader, but she was definitely, like, the the dominant one of the three friends, okay? Mm-hmm. And Sheila and Skylar had been friends for years and years and years. And Skylar was, like, maybe a little bit threatened by the relationship with Rachel, but only because Rachel was more, like, Sheila was kind of a bad influence, and Rachel kind of leaned into it, whereas Skylar was more of, like, a, a goody two-shoes. Yeah. Right? Okay. So Skylar wrote stuff in her journal about them getting into things. So she did smoke like a little weed with these girls. But these girls would like drink, oh. party. They were like promiscuous. They were having sex. They were like bragging about it all the time. And how old were they? Um, they were 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Skylar even wrote in her diary that one night they were having like a sleepover. There was like a bunch of girls having a sleepover. And Skylar woke up in the middle of the night and saw um, Sheila and Rachel were having sex. Whoa. Like with each other. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's all complicated friendships now. It's all complicated. It's all but complicated. 
Yes, but everyone would kind of say that Sheila was, like, the bad influence, like, the one that kind of, like, instigated a lot of this behavior. Had she always been like that since her and Skylar had been friends for so long? Or, like, did something... She had always been kind of, like, more outgoing, but I would say, like, I don't... It's hard to know because young girls and so much of her, no, not much of her behavior was really like marked on before that. Yeah. I'm sure she was always kind of like a bad influence, but then once she had like a little bit of money, <laughs> she had like a little more of like a chip she on her was shoulder. like, let's go. Right. Like she felt a little more untouchable, I guess, yeah. would be kind of my, my assumption of the situation. But nonetheless, as, like, weird as it made Skylar feel, Skylar still wanted to be friends and was still, like, would still refer to her as, like, her best friend. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that the two of them, Skylar and Sheila, were posting on Twitter about each other at the time. But very, like, passive-aggressive and non-direct, right? Okay. Where you can assume that this was, like, some drama between the two of them that was instigating, like, these kind of tweets. Mm Mm-hmm. One of them was a tweet from September of 2011, where Skylar said, I tell the whole school all the shit I have on everyone, which is a lot. Hashtag, if I could get away with it. Ooh, them's fighting words, girl. Right. More and more people were kind of seeing um, Sheila and Skylar starting to, like, argue with each other a lot. And at one point, they had like, a a week vacation to Myrtle Beach together, because, of course, they did. Yeah. But all they did was fight, like, the whole time that they were there. And when they came back from the trip, Sheila told Rachel, Skylar has to die. What? What happened yes. on that trip? I don't know. That she's all of a sudden, like, listen, 5,000%, she's got to die. Right. <laughs> she... Now, again, like, they'd been fighting for a long time. I don't know what happened over, like, that time, but she came back and she was like, she's got to die. That's That escalated quickly. Well, so according to some people, Sheila's call for murder did not come out of the blue. Really? Fellow students and a teacher at their high school overheard the girls discuss the best ways to dispose of a body in October of 2011. And no one said anything? So, I know that's what you're going to say. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, it was in a biology class, and it was, they were focusing on forensic science, and recently a body had been found near their school. Wow. Right. And so nobody at that time really thought it was weird for them to be talking about that because they were talking about forensic science. There was a body that was found nearby recently. So nobody thought that was that weird at that time. What a fucking coincidence. Right. <laughs> um, however, the conversation was relayed to Skylar and Skylar like didn't seemed to think anything of it, but she did confront the girls about the conversation. They assured her that it was nothing, but that wasn't the only warning sign that something was coming. In the spring of 2012, worried that Skylar might blackmail them, Rachel told another student, I wouldn't mind if she died. Wow. And this had been, like, her best friend since, like, second grade. Wow. Yeah. So it was in the spring that the... That... Sheila and Rachel began to plan Skylar's murder. 
Like, legitimately, they were like, we're done. She's got to go. Skylar's got to die. Right. And they just kept hanging out like it was normal. And they were, like, planning Skylar's murder. So, so basically, they were just like, ha Skylar, we're such good friends. We're so wonderful. And then they look at each other and be like, I fucking hate her. I can't wait to kill her. Yes. What? Teenage girls have basically. no heart, y'all. No soul. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. They're ruthless. Um, they are. So there was supposed to be like a Catholic church camp trip that Rachel was supposed to go on in early July of 2012. So knowing that she would be gone for two weeks, Rachel told Sheila that they would have to go ahead with their plan before she left for her church camp trip. Wow. So Rachel's the one who's like, this is when we got to do it. We, if you're gonna, if we're gonna do this, it has to happen before I go away on this church trip. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Skylar had worked that night. She had, she was in school and she also had a job. She worked at Wendy's. So she got off of work at 10 p.m. She got home, she kissed her parents, and she went to bed. Around midnight, Sheila and Rachel called her and asked her if she wanted to go for a joy ride. So Sheila drove uh, drove by, parked the car next to the house, uh, or the apartment building. It was an apartment building. Rachel was in the car with her, and they had, like, they had done this before where they just, like, snuck out and gone joyriding. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't that weird. Skylar was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So there was a bench outside of her window that she, like, pulled to her window. Um, her bedroom door was locked. She climbed out the window onto the bench and walked out to the parking lot and got in the car with the two of them and drove away. <sighs> yeah. So, unbeknownst to Skylar, the trunk of Sheila's car uh, contained a shovel, fresh clothes, towels, and bleach. Oh, my God. Because they were planning to kill her and bury her body in the woods. Oh, Okay. Sheila and Rachel had originally planned to follow Route 7 west through uh, through Cassville and continue toward Blacksville. However, a police car parked near an intersection linking Route 19 and Route 7, which scared them off. They then took an alternative route through Mount Morris and headed west towards Blacksville. Roughly two miles west of Blacksville on a road near, uh, near Brave, the girls turned north, crossed some railway tracks, and drove into Morris Run Road, a lonely one-way back road, uh, one-lane back road. The road was familiar to all three of them because they had driven that many times. It was owned by um, some family of Sheila's father. So it wouldn't have been weird for them to be out on this road in the middle of the night either Mm -hmm. because this is like a place where they would go joyride. Mm -hmm. So Sheila parked the car about a mile onto the road. They got out of the car. They're chatting. They're hanging out. And they were going to smoke some weeds. So Skylar went to the car to go get a lighter. When she got up to go to the car to get the lighter, the girls counted to three, and then on the count of three, they jumped on her and started stabbing her. Oh, my God. They had knives concealed in their hoodies, and they just jumped on her and started stabbing her. At one point, Skylar managed to get a knife away from Rachel, Mm -hmm. and she cut Rachel's ankle But Rachel, you know, they were able to overpower her Mm -hmm. and Rachel got the knife back and they stabbed her. Then they just stood over her body for about an hour while she bled out. Oh, my God. And she, while she was dying, she just kept asking them why. Right. Can you imagine? I don't even want to imagine, but that 
like you're just in the car with your best friends. You guys are probably jamming out. You're gonna go smoke. They're fucking hot boxing. They're driving around, and then all of a sudden they just start stab. I mean, no wonder she couldn't fight back. She's like totally taken. Right, and yeah, that's awful. So. Sheila and Rachel had planned to bury Skylar in the ground, but the ground was too rocky and too cold mm-hmm. for them to dig. Yeah. So instead, they moved the body next to a big tree. They covered her with rocks and branches. Uh, they washed themselves in a creek that runs behind the site. The girls disposed of the bloody clothes and the knives. They left Skylar's turned off cell phone next to her body. Mm-hmm. All of this took a few hours and the girls were back home by dawn. Wow. Um, How do you sleep after doing something like that? Sheila tweeted at 9.09 a.m., always keep your cool. What the fuck? What the fuck? So, Skylar's parents left for work in the morning of July 6th, assuming that Skylar was still in bed. Her father, Dave, came home from work in the middle of the day so that Skylar could borrow his car car to take her shift at, at Wendy's. But no one was home. And he went to Skylar's room and the door was locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. He went outside. He noticed the bench outside of the window, the open window, and realized that Skylar must have snuck out at some point in the night. He immediately called Sheila to find oh. out if Sheila had been in contact with Skylar. She said that they had talked around midnight. She called her on the phone, but then she hadn't seen her. Soon after, Mary, Skylar's mother, got home. A manager from Wendy's called asking about Skylar because she was she never was late. Manager, yeah. This was a no-call, no-show. With the situation seeming more and more serious by the minute, uh, the nieces called the police. The phone rang again. Sheila was calling back, and she was admitting that she and Rachel had, in fact, gone joyriding with Skylar the night before. Okay, so she, like, gets a change of heart and is like, let me say that we went joyriding. I'm, I don't know if it's a change of heart or if she, I don't know, like, if she knew they would find out some way. Yeah. So she just went ahead and was like. Let me cover my uh, Actually, okay, now, okay, now that she's missing, I will say, like, we did hang out, but we picked her up around 11 o'clock and then we dropped her off, like, around midnight. Yeah. Um, But we don't know what happened to her. Yeah. And when they picked her up, they said they picked her up outside the building, but they dropped her off like a block away from the building. Sure. Okay. That's going to be important. Okay. So soon Sheila and her mother, Tara, came over to the niece's apartment wanting to help find Skylar. The Eddies and Mary went from house to house on one side of the street, um, and Dave and an officer from the police took care of the other side of the street and they just went down knocking on every door asking people if they had seen her Mm -hmm. if they had seen skylar if they heard anything anything suspicious yeah and of course nobody saw anything so then mary uh which is skylar's mother remembered that the landlord had cameras outside of the building and asked if they could look at the footage to see if they saw anything suspicious Mm -hmm. And they saw Skylar getting into a car, but they didn't, at that time, recognize it as Sheila's car. Okay. But they recognized Skylar getting into a car, and she didn't look like she was being forced. She didn't look scared. She looked like she was just hopping in like it was no problem. Mm -hmm. Um, That's important because the parents really wanted to do an Amber Alert, and at the time... 
they couldn't do that because you can only do an Amber Alert for a child who was abducted. And she seemingly, willingly got in the car and left. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's one of those weird, like, holes in the system kind of rules. That, um, we'll come back to that later. Okay. But, so they wouldn't put out an Amber Alert for her because she seemed to very willingly hop in the car and that was no problem. Mm -hmm. But there was no footage of her coming back. Okay? Yeah. So... Eventually, after a few weeks, the FBI got involved, um, and they were reviewing the footage. They interviewed Sheila. Sheila merely repeated the story that she had told earlier about picking Skylar up at 11, dropping her off at the end of Crawford Avenue, which was about a block away, an hour later. However, um, the FBI detectives described Sheila's behavior as narcissistic and off, like wrong. Okay. even though there was nothing really about her story at the time, they didn't notice anything weird about her story, but they were just like, she seems weird. She's just giving off like weird vibes. Yes. And she was asking a lot of questions about the investigation and not so many questions about Skylar or what happened to Skylar. Gotcha. That's a big red flag. Correct. They <laughs> got a red flag on the field here. Yeah. <laughs> So he also found it strange that they said they would drop Skylar off, not in front of her apartment, that they picked her up there, but that they dropped her off like at the end of the block. Mm -hmm. But um, her excuse for that was that Skylar insisted they drop her off over there so that they wouldn't risk waking up her parents. Okay. It was at this point in the investigation that the FBI detective noticed that the car was Sheila's car, the car in the footage that they were seeing. Okay. Which was Sheila's car. That lines up it was with also, their story. But it was also not at the time that they said. They said they picked her up at 11, and this was after midnight that they picked her up. Oh, okay. Um. So the next day, the detective called Rachel, who pretended not to have heard about Skylar's disappearance. She left for church camp. She was at church camp. She had to kill her before she went to church camp so she could go to church camp and clean herself of her sins. Right. And feel so she's okay. like, I what? Skylar's missing? I didn't know. I've been at church camp. I've been worshiping the Lord. Right. Cleaning the blood <laughs> off my hands. Jeez. So even though she had been, you know, gone at church camp, they um when they talked to her. Her story was identical, like, to the T, to Sheila's story. Okay. And, you know, they would have similar stories, but the fact that, like, there were no inconsistencies between them. Both of them told, like, the same exact story that, to the point that the detective said it sounded, it has been rehearsed. Nevertheless, there was, at this point, there was nothing to go on officially. So Skylar, all they had was Skylar voluntarily getting into a car. So she was considered a runaway and not eligible, basically, for an Amber Alert, which was for abducted children. Wow. Okay. Um, but everyone was telling them, like, Skylar would not run away. That is not like her. She also didn't take her contact lenses. She didn't take her phone charger. She didn't have anything packed. She left her window open and the bench outside of her window, which implied that she had plans to come back home. Yes. Right. So the school year started in August, and still no one had seen or heard from Skylar. How long had that been? Um, they killed her... July 5th, so over a month. 
Wow. Oh, this her was poor August. Uh, school started back August sixteenth, so like a like a month and a week at this point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it seemed to be going absolutely nowhere, right? Um, there was all sorts of other investigations trying to. There were weird crimes. Remember, I told you there was like a body that was found near their school. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of weird shit that happens in this town. So the police were trying to connect all these different things and see if they could find like something that matched up with the timing of what happened to her. Jeez, there's just Eventually, like murder in that water of that town. Girl. Eventually, warrants were issued to seize the means of electronic communication between Sheila and Rachel, i.e. their text messages. Yeah. That's going to tell you everything. So they also... What's that? I said that's going to tell you everything. Yeah. So they went through the text message. They also went over the surveillance footage over and over and over again Mm -hmm. before finally picking out that Sheila did not pick Skylar up at 11 p.m. That didn't happen. When she got in the car, again, it was hours later than they had originally said. Yeah. They were also able to gather evidence from other security cameras around the city to call into question the timeline that the girls had given them. Yeah, I was like, I'm sure they, they were, were just caught somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. So in November of um, 2012, a federal grand jury convened in Clarksburg with the three girls um, subpoenaed to appear before the jury. The three girls' friends. Mm-hmm. No one could quite figure out what it was all about, right? They're like, what's going on here? Why they have these questions? Because they kept all the records a secret. They no, the, the feds, the police, nobody was talking. But there were lots of rumors that were going around, and statements from those who were subpoenaed indicated that it was mostly about drug traffic in Blacksville, but also about Skyler and these bank robberies that had been happening around town. What? There was so much shit going on. So, one of the people that was subpoenaed was a girl named Chrissy Swanson, and she was Sheila's cousin. After the proceedings, um, she called a friend to reassure her about the nature of the hearing. She called um, her Aunt Tara, which would have been Sheila's mom. Okay. And she admitted that... uh, Then at that point, Tara mentioned that Sheila had admitted through her attorney that she, Rachel, and Skylar had been in Brave on the night that Skylar disappeared. It's unclear why Sheila had deviated from her original story, but it's probable it was in response to the authorities having poked holes in the, like, we're just joining around, joyriding around Morgantown story. Mm -hmm. Chrissy then called Sheila, who was with Rachel, to reassure them that everything was okay, but tell her that she heard what she had told her lawyer. Like, she heard from her mom. Mm -hmm. So... Chrissy was being played by Sheila. Sheila was playing every goddamn body. And she was cool as a cucumber. Um, She was, from the very beginning, trying to help with the investigation. She was, you know, putting up missing posters. Um, She was posting on Twitter about how much she missed her friend. God, what a soulless bitch. And she was, like, all the while, like, with the nieces, like, trying to comfort them and, and like, help them, right? And, like, stabbing, it's told that stabbing is one of the most intimate ways to kill someone. Like, you have to really want to kill someone to stab them to death. So, eventually, the police were, like, 
stop telling her any information about this investigation. Yeah. Don't share any information with Sheila. So Sheila was asking everybody else, like anybody who was working with the nieces. And she was like, so what's going on with the investigation? Like, what do they think happened? Do they have any information? Just trying to find like whatever information that she can about what's going on. Because they're not telling her anything. Yeah. So, meanwhile, rumors are spreading all over high school, right? Everybody, there's all kinds of rumors, but one of the big ones is that Skylar overdosed and that the girls, like, left her somewhere in a panic. Um, Sheila and Rachel were spending even more time together, and they didn't seem to be, like, too much in mourning other than, like, like, a random, like, we miss our friend R.I.P. on, like, Twitter, like, they would they randomly <laughs> mention her. So as the rumors intensified, though, um, the two of them started to get, like, harassed and cyberbullied well. on Twitter where people are like, well, what'd y'all do with Skylar's fucking body? What'd y'all do to Skylar? What'd you do to Skylar, you fucking murdering little bitches? Um, like, people were, like, harassing them all over Twitter. Well, murder people get bullied. I don't know what to tell you. So Sheila seemed to be completely unmoved by the harassment. She even referred to the FBI as her buds. Oh, my God. But Rachel was starting to crack. Yeah, because Rachel probably has a teeny, she's got a little Grinch heart that's starting to grow a little bit more. Whereas Sheila's like, it's it's a hellfire cave. It's just empty in there. So from the beginning, Sheila was trying to, like, be a part of the investigation. Like, she wanted to know everything that was going on. She tried really hard to, like, insert herself. And Rachel did the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, Rachel tried to be as far from the investigation as possible. She didn't want to answer any questions. She didn't, like want anybody asking her anything because she was, like, already stressed about all the fucking lying and the murder that they did. Yes. As you can imagine. Yeah. So um, Sheila is, like, soaking it up, working with the nieces, like, trying to, like, figure out what they're thinking, what's going on. And Rachel is, like, just deteriorating. So having established with the cell phone records and security camera footage that the girls had been near Blacksville that night... Uh, that Skylar had been texting with the girls when she was supposed to be. According to the girls' initial story, joyriding with them, the authorities probably helped push Rachel into changing her story. She now claimed Skylar had ran off into the woods near Brave and that she and Sheila had been unable to find her. That that Skylar just had a freak out in the woods and ran off. Huh. She had a bad trip and couldn't handle it. Okay, sure. Yes. So Sheila changed her story to match Rachel's only after learning that Rachel had changed her story. So they must have already had a backup story planned as well. Wow. Because now they were going into the backup story. Plan B. Plan B, she ran off into the woods and we don't know what happened to her. Wow. So polygraphs were arranged for the girls for mid-December, even though polygraphs are like notoriously... Fall, uh, like falsy. Yeah, but, they don't uh, really false, mean jack falsy. shit. Um, faulty. They don't mean anything. They're right. false. But they, uh, but she, uh, she failed the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> it don't mean nothing, but for what it's worth, she fucking bombed it. Rachel, on the way to her polygraph test, jumped out of her father's car and ran away. Hmm. Because that's not suspicious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's like, I saw a squirrel. 
So, like, that didn't work. On December 16th, with Christmas approaching and Skylar not any closer to coming home, Mary, her mother, posted a really long, detailed message to her Facebook account. The post detailed the various steps that had been taken so far by law enforcement and the community in order to find Skylar. Mary also implicitly called Sheila and Rachel out for lying and even bluntly mentioned the possibility that Skylar may have been murdered. Wow. After all... Yeah. If Skylar had been the victim of an accident, why not come forward when both girls had been offered full immunity? Why not just fucking yep. say your shit? Yep. So, um, Rachel was getting, like, increasingly erratic at one point. Like, she was, like, having a screaming argument with her mother, like, out in the driveway of their house. And she yelled, you're ruining my life! And she, like, ran off. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, Rachel, what is up with you? She eventually, um, she barricaded herself in her room and she threatened to kill herself. Wow. And at this point, her mother checked her into a psychiatric hospital in Morgantown. (sighs) While she was there, this was the first time Sheila started to get nervous because they wouldn't let Sheila have any contact with Rachel. And Rachel was in a psychiatric hospital for her mental breakdown. Rachel was about to break she was literally breaking so rachel was released after five days okay on january 3rd her parents immediately drove her to her attorney's office in downtown morgantown where an interview had been arranged with corporal gaskins and a federal polygraph examiner the interview had originally been arranged for the 29th, but Rachel's breakdown had postponed the date. The investigators had wanted her to have the interview as soon as Rachel got out to prevent Sheila from getting to her first. Being aware of Rachel's visit to Chestnut, the investigators were hopeful that the truth would finally come out, and it did. Only a few questions into the interview, Rachel uttered the words, We stabbed her. Wow. Having expected something along the lines of she overdosed, like they thought she was going to like lie and try and cover it. Everyone was shocked that she just said it outright. Everyone was just like. Rachel told them. Jaw on the floor. She was done. She was ready. She told them what happened, um, that they picked Skylar up after midnight, drove her to a remote back road in Brave, stabbed her to death and tried to bury her body. When asked why they did it, she could only come up with. We just didn't like her anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Most people would just block you on social media. Spread a rumor that you got chlamydia and leave it. You don't stab someone to death. Yeah. So Rachel agreed to take the investigators to find the body. But it had snowed and she couldn't pinpoint the exact tree that they had left her that. So they had to wait a few weeks for the snow to melt, and investigators went back out there. Um, They had dogs to help find the body, and a GPS tracker fell off of one of the dogs, and an investigator went to pick it up, and when he went to pick it up, he found skeletal remains. The remains were confirmed to be those of Skylar niece. Yeah, because I doubt much was left of her. Yeah. During the following months, Rachel was allowed to... um, So... They, you know, she confessed. She got house arrest, basically, mm-hmm. for for the first part, just for while she was, like, waiting for her full trial. Yeah. And they had, because they had to gather more evidence against Sheila, who was never going to admit to the crime unless, like, she was cornered. Yeah. She Even then, I bet she would totally just be like, no. How could you believe it? Right? How could you, why would you believe that I would she do would that? She would go full Dahlia. Mm-hmm. But how can you believe it? 
So um, she must have received a warning from her attorney or someone else because she and Rachel were barely in touch following that January 3rd meeting. She tweeted the morning after that meeting, first time I've ever been completely speechless, followed by, holy fuck. On the very next day, January 4th, investigators surprised Sheila and her family by serving a search warrant to seize every knife in the house and Sheila's car. Wow. Forensic investigators going in and out of a remote back road near the Eddie family land in Pennsylvania could not be kept hidden from Sheila for long, or the public for that matter. A few local newspapers mentioned that a body had been found in Wayne Township. While nothing special about nothing specific about the body was mentioned, Sheila would now have known that Skylar's body had been found and that Rachel, in all likelihood, had led them to the body. Yeah, because there's no other way they would have found it. So both girls finished the school year homeschooled because they were on house arrest. Wow. <laughs> what kills me is that this reminded me. And I'm sure this was like a ripped from the headlines case. This reminded me of an episode of SVU that I had seen, but I'm pretty sure that this SVU was like ripped from the headlines of this case. Yeah, probably. They usually do. So Rachel um, was trying to get back to like her normal life. Oh, honey, that's not going to happen. Right. And she was like posting shit on her Twitter. And February 10th, she posted happy birthday, Skylar. And she posted another tweet that said, I hate the shit I think about that night. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Why even put that shit on social media? Because they were 16 and stupid. And this was also like, you know, in 2012. Early days. Eight years ago. Yeah. That maybe they were dumb enough to believe that, like, no one would ever see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all I can think. (sighs) All right. Tell me they were found guilty. They're still in prison. And all of Sheila's hair fell out. Um, I'll tell you, Sheila got arrested at a Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Yes! Oh, I like that a lot. (laughs) Uh, she was at dinner with her mother at Cracker Barrel when she got arrested. Wow. So, um, when they were arraigned, uh, Rachel, like, has already looked, like, serious and sad all the time, but Sheila looked weirdly, like, unfazed. Like, fine. Even at trial. Wow. Just completely heartless. So, um, I don't have a record of how long, like, the... (laughs) I don't think anybody even deliberated because eventually I know that um, Rachel took a plea bargain Mm -hmm. and Sheila was found guilty. And that was the first thing I really saw of Sheila crying. Because it was was about her now. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Because now it affects her. Um, Rachel was sentenced to 30 years. Sheila was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole at 15 years. Um, But Skylar's father has said that he will be at every parole hearing for the rest of his life to tell them that she is a fucking monster and she should still be in jail. She should still be in prison. She took his only child. Yes. And all of them were only children. All three of them. That is so awful. 
Mm-hmm. That's awful. Some people say that there was like part of the motive was they were trying to the two of them were trying to like hide this lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Sheila and Rachel. Rachel was from a pretty conservative family. Yeah, she was going to church camp. Right. She was going to church camp. The two of them were rather promiscuous in general anyway. Some people say that that idea is bullshit because Skylar, like, didn't have a problem with gay people. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, like, the idea that she had that information on them and she made that tweet about, like, if I let out all the shit I knew about people. Yeah. That that kind of, like, led into it a little bit, maybe. That's the only other explanation that people can come up with because Rachel and Skylar really didn't have one other than they just didn't like her anymore. That's so rough. That's all I can think about are her parents and hearing that being the reason and just being like, are you fucking kidding me? You killed someone because you didn't like them? Yeah, I hope she never gets out of prison. It's wild. Um, eventually, Skylar's parents sued Sheila's family, Sheila and her parents, basically for neglect. They said that, like, if they had, if Sheila's parents had been, like, watching her and paying attention to what she was doing with her life or whatever, like, they, if they had supervised her properly, they would have known about her sneaking out of the house. But the same thing could have been said about them and Skylar. Yeah. Because Skylar was sneaking out of the house. They, um, ultimately, they settled with the family out of court for $5 million. They don't actually anticipate ever seeing that money. But the idea is that if Sheila or Rachel were ever to do something to make money off of this story, off of their experience, if they were ever to write a book, if they were ever to get paid for telling their story about killing their daughter that money will go the to money them. would go to the nieces yeah wow <sighs> yeah teenage girls are fucking horrible i'm yeah this makes me glad that i made it through school alive correct and i was like it kills me because it makes me think of like my weird clicky girlfriend experiences in middle school and high school and none of them turned deadly <laughs> but if that was all it took, we didn't like her anymore. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like, we usually kept to the, like, the surprise three-way call. I was Not a say, surprise was three-way murder. That. We would do the sneaky, like, what do you think of Jessica? JK, Jessica's on the line. And, and that's bad enough. That's awful. Instead of being like, hey, go get a lighter. JK, we're, we're going to stab you. Go get a lighter. We're going to light this bowl. Um... They stabbed her 50 times. 50? Yeah. 50 times. That's total, like, you're a monster. There's something wrong with your brain. Yeah. There's something wrong with your brain. That's my story this week. (laughs) Thanks. I hate it. I'm so sorry. Wait until you hear the movie I'm going to tell you about for I Seen It. It was was awful. All right. Well, thank y'all for hanging in there and listening to this. Head on over to our Patreon page to check out the I Seen It, which I guess is apparently going to be another ride for me. And I'm not drinking this month. So thanks, Stephanie. So Sheila and Rachel are in jail. That's good. I hope you take comfort in that. I do. I do take comfort in the fact that, like, they were found out and they were put, they are put away and will be put away. Hopefully for the rest of their lives. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. 
Thank you. So Thank sorry you. that that story did not. End. I mean, it ended with them being in jail, but I'm sorry that that was such a like unhappy story. No, nope. I was like, oh, I'm going second. All right, here we go. That's why. Uh, that's why we do what we do. That's why we do this. It's hard, but we do it. We do it for you. Well, if you like hearing difficult stories like this. <laughs> Yes. And you want to support our show, you can do that, of course, by subscribing to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. It's a grand old fucking time, and you should check it out. We also have some incredible merch on our website, deadtimestories.com. But, of course, we also understand that times is hard and people be broke, and that's okay, because you can still support our show by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It doesn't cost you any money, but it does a really, really, really great thing for our show by putting us in the algorithm and helping people find us and listen to us and then they can give us money and if you take a screenshot of your five-star review and send it to us at deadtime stories with a z all one word at gmail.com we'll send you a fucking sticker to your house you bitch we sure will we don't know how long it'll take it to get to you because we're gonna send it usps usps but you know but i'll send it it'll be in the mail it'll happen yeah six months later you'll get it you're welcome that's it from me you're welcome (laughs) You're welcome, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. That's good. I need to go take a break after that story. So thank you for listening. I I need a pee and I need to like hit my ears up with some Q-tips. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And And this this has been Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 